I got to introduce this message today, and I had to do a little bit of homework, uh, because every generation has its own unique jargon or vocabulary that it uses. My generation was the cool generation, and it still is, by the way. Uh, but cool is really not used anymore today. So I, I've got some lit. I like lit. Yeah. I'm told that when I speak, I'm lit. For those of you who are not with us, that means we're, I'm on fire. Now, my wife... Well, she's, there she is. She come, hey, come on, honey, you got to come to the front. Come on, sweetheart. She's, we have to pray for my wife. She's so rebellious. Her food is bussin' bussin'. It means her food is good. Everybody say, sheesh. <laughs> Means I got ice in my veins. Ooh, I got to stop because I'm lit right now. But Pastor Joey said that I was dripping. Not when I let you figure out on your own. Do you know that there's a lingo that we have in church? There's a language that we speak in church, and sometimes we start using the language without really fully comprehending what it is that we're saying. There's words that we use in the English language that we bring right into our Christianity, words like justification. That's a big word. But a lot of us really don't understand what that fully, uh, fully what that means. Sanctification is another one. Redemption. Those are words that we hear sometimes in church, and we may even use it ourselves, but really are unsure 100% what exactly does that thing mean. And today's message is centered around a word that, while common for many of us, Sometimes I think we really don't fully understand or comprehend what it means. We're going in our series, Kingdom Principles, and I, I, I don't know about you, but I've really been enjoying this uh, series because uh, we've discovered that Kingdom Principles are the spiritual laws, if you will, that govern the kingdom of God and that you and I need to structure our life around if we want our lives to be blessed and if we want to live a life that pleases God. And we've been using the Gospel of Matthew because the Gospel of Matthew, more than the other three Gospels, uh, demonstrates and illustrates Jesus Christ as the King of the Jews. And it's called, known as the, the Gospel of the King. And so we're looking today in Matthew's Gospel and we're looking at chapter 16. And I'm beginning beginning in verse 13. Listen, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, 
and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So let's recap our text here and what we've just read. Jesus led his disciples, his followers, uh, to the region known as Caesarea Philippi. Now, this region was primarily, uh, 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 how should I put this? It was primarily uh, more for the Gentile nations, uh, meaning that uh, there were not that many Jewish uh, uh, people in this area. It was mostly populated by Gentiles. It was also known as a region that was full of idolatry. There were a lot of different idols that were worshipped in this area. They even had a temple that was dedicated solely to the worship of Caesar, the one who ruled the Roman Empire, who was looked upon as a god. And yet, in, in this Gentile region that's full of all of this idol worship, Jesus brings his disciples there, and he begins by asking them this question, who do people say that I am? In other words, you guys walk around, what, what is it that you're hearing about me? And they reply, well, you know, some people think that you're John the Baptist come back to life or you're Elijah uh, or you're, you're uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, it varied in the response of what, they, what they're hearing. Most of the people considered Jesus a prophet. Now, a prophet is a man chosen by God uh, or a woman, a man or a woman chosen by God to declare the word of God, either something that would take place currently or something that would take place in the future. So most of the people had that idea about as, as far as Jesus and who he was. And then Jesus suddenly turns to his disciples and says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? What's your opinion of me? You've been with me for a number of years now. Who do you believe that I am? And Peter responded by saying, you are Messiah. Some translations say the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. In other words, you didn't get this on your own. No, and you didn't get it from another man. But God the Father revealed this to you. Amen. And so the word that we're going to focus on today is the word revelations. Come on, say that with me. Revelations. Now, 
From a Christian perspective, it's important that we understand that revelation is so much more than having a mental understanding. In fact, here I gave you a, a definition that you'll see coming up on the screen, that revelation is a spiritual awakening initiated by God. It's a spiritual awakening initiated by God. Let me break down that even down even further. It's God giving us spiritual understanding that we previously did not have or could ever have. That's revelations. So it's more than just some mental knowledge. It's God initiating, God coming and spiritually awakening us to something that we could not and have not known up until that moment. And that brings us to the, the, the kingdom principle that I want to focus on today and that this message is centered around, and that is it's revelations that transforms our spiritual life. Revelation transforms our spiritual life. And because unless you and I receive revelations from God, our life never ever truly changes. We are never transformed or made more into the image of Jesus Christ. We don't get the character of Christ being formed in us. And from our text, I want to highlight some of the revelations that you and I need to have in our life. Number one, let's begin with this one. Number one, in that revelation is who Jesus is. The revelation of who Jesus is. Now, this one may sound simple to us, but let me remind you, Jesus said this in John chapter four, 6, verse 44. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Now, what does that mean? How could the Father draw us to Jesus? Well, he's talking about revelation, meaning this. Most of us have heard of Jesus and the, and the, the, the Christmas story, if you will. Uh, that for most of us, that's not something new. We have a mental understanding of Jesus Christ and what the Bible says about him. Growing up, I, I knew what the Bible had to say about Jesus Christ. I, I knew that the Bible declares him to be the son of God and all of those things. But see, mental understanding doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your lifestyle. And so uh, it's not until we receive revelation, a spiritual awakening, that we'll come to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because with, before you and I receive revelation about who Jesus Christ is, most of us will either rely on our personal morality to, to believe that we are right with God, or we will rely on our religion. I'm a, because I'm affiliated with a specific religion, then I'm in a right place before God, with God. But when we've come to that place where God gives us revelation as to who Jesus Christ is, now everything changes. When we receive revelation of who Jesus Christ is, then and only then are we to embrace Christ as our Savior, then and only then do we begin to surrender to God our life. 
And everything begins to change spiritually. Why? Because one day, something happened. I was in a service, most of us is in a service, or we did that in a home with somebody. But most of us, at some point in our life, received revelation of who Jesus Christ is. For me, it came into a service that I I had been invited in. And again, I've heard the message about the gospel so many times. But this particular time, something began to happen. My heart began to stir. In fact, for me, it it came, the sensation was almost like a a burning in my heart. And and I became suddenly aware of just how sinful I really was and just how much God loved me by sending Jesus to die. A story that I already knew. But this time, it was totally different. Why? Because I received revelation. And at the end, when the, when the minister invites someone to say, hey, if you want to change your life, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, at that moment, I responded. Why? Not because I felt anything other than this one truth. For the first time in my life, I knew who Jesus Christ really was Amen. or is. And I responded by saying yes. And that began the spiritual journey that has transformed my life, you see. We're talking about this kingdom principle that revelations are what transform our spiritual life. So the first revelation that we all need is revelation of who Jesus Christ is. If you're talking uh, uh, and praying for someone that doesn't know who Jesus Christ is, it isn't a question of you sharing the gospel with them all the time, although that's important. We need to pray that, remember, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Unless the Father initiates that revelation, no one could ever come to Christ. So we need to pray, Father, initiate, in your mercy, initiate that revelation. Draw them to Jesus. Second thing, second revelation, is the revelation that is Jesus, he builds his church. Jesus builds it. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. The, the, the rock here that we're talking about uh, is the, the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus tells uh, the apostles uh, and that on this rock, I will build my church. This is the first time in scripture where the word church is, is used. And the word church there simply means the selected people. See, when you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior, now you become part of the family of God. You have been selected to come and and be part of the church. You're not part of the church because you're part of a religion. You're not part of the church simply because you attend there. Yeah, you're only part of the church, and the church is not four walls and a roof. It's not a building, a physical building. It's a spiritual building. And we become part of the church when we embrace Christ as our Savior. And Jesus said, I am the one that builds the church. Now, here's what that teaches us and why we need this revelation. Yesterday, we did uh, the Wheelathon. And we have done events in the past. We've done things, uh, breakfasts. We've done all kinds of different events to encourage and invite people to come in. And we want them to come in so that they can experience the presence of God. And hopefully, the Lord will reveal himself to them. They'll receive a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. 
But sometimes, if we're not careful, because it's very subtle, we can think that it's the event that saves people. See, events can't save anybody. Events are just the, the format that, that we use to put people in an environment where they have the potential to receive revelation from God. But the event themselves cannot give revelation. The event themselves cannot save. Only Jesus Christ can save. Only Jesus Christ can build his church. Amen. Activities can't transform lives. Oh, oh we, just, we need more uh, Bible studies. We need more. I heard these all as a pastor for uh, 35 years. I've heard the gamut of what we need more of. And people think that, oh, if we just have more Bible study. Listen, Bible studies are wonderful. But if in the Bible study, Christ isn't revealed to you, it's useless. All you got is a lot of head knowledge. See, when you get Bible studies, it's the point where it is, I, I want to learn from the Bible, but while I'm there, I want Christ to be revealed. I need revelation. Why? Because only revelation transforms a life. You see. Not only that, it's important that you remember this. Sermons cannot transform your life. You're hearing me right now. This message cannot transform your life. When you come to church or you come to a Bible study, it's important that you realize that the message itself cannot transform your life. It cannot change who you are. It cannot make you more like Jesus Christ. All this sermon can do is to uh, give you an opportunity to hear uh, what God has to say, but it's God who now actually has to reveal to you what it means. That's why, isn't this the truth? You can hear something over and over again, month after month, year after year, and then one day you're in the service and either me or or somebody else says something that you've heard a gazillion times before, and all of a sudden, it's like the light bulb goes on. I get it. I, I, now I know. But what happened? Revelation happened. Up until that time, no change had occurred. That's why you can come to church week after week, month after month, year after year, and never be changed. Because you come in, and you hear with these ears, but hearing with these ears are not, is not revelation. Only the Spirit of the Lord can take the words that you hear coming out of my mouth and transform them into the living word of God. The living word of God is what penetrates here and what brings transformation, what brings change. It's revelation that changes our worship. Oh, yeah. You know that beginning part where we're singing and praising God? Revelation determines how you praise God. Revelation determines how you worship. Let me explain. Revelation number one, God has to reveal to you just how sinful you are. You see, all of us, to some measure, all recognize, we know we're sinful, but we don't know the depth of our sinfulness. We don't know the ugliness of our soul. And we like to sugarcoat it, thinking that we're not so bad. 
But my Bible tells me to whom much is forgiven, that person loves much. See, revelation reveals to you just how ugly you are, and then it turns around and reveals to you just how much God still loves you. And when that revelation comes into your spirit, worship is spontaneous. I would submit to you to consider if you struggle to praise God, if you struggle to worship, to lift up your hands, to bless God as we've been doing, it's because you lack revelation. Because the moment you see, the moment God reveals to you the depth of your sinfulness and the height of his love and his grace and his mercy, everything falls to the wayside. And you could care less what other people say or think. All you want is your spirit responds to God. See, worship is the spirit's response to God's revelation. So, it's kingdom principle. It's revelations. It's what transforms our spiritual life in every facet. And it's God that builds the church. It's not about numbers, by the way. When I talk about building the church, we're not talking about numbers. We're talking about spiritual maturity. Yes, God does add to people to the church numerically. But the critical part is, do they grow? Spiritual growth is conditioned upon one thing and one thing alone, revelation. When we receive revelation from God, we grow. Why? Because our spirit responds. And there's transformation that begins to take place. Here's the the third revelation we need to understand uh, and to receive. And that is, number three, that the church operates from victory. Jesus said the gates of Hades will not overcome the church. In other words, the gates of Hades will not overcome the church. Will not, the church will be victorious. You see, here's the revelation that we need uh, individually and corporately. The church operates from victory, not for victory. We have victory over the control of sin in our life. How do we have that? Because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes away our sins, breaks the power of sin in our life so that we walk in victory. Not because we try harder, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you don't have revelation about that, you try harder. When you don't have revelation of the power of the blood of Jesus, it's always human effort trying to bring about change. The church operates from victory over emptiness of life. Every single one of us, before we embrace Christ as our Savior, this spirit of ours, this soul of ours was empty because it was created by God for God. 
And because of sin, there was a cap on our soul. And it, look at it as a jar that has a cap on it. And the jar is empty. We all were born with this inner emptiness in our soul. And throughout life, we keep trying different things in this life, trying to fill this void, this emptiness that we have. And it's only when we receive revelation of who Jesus Christ is and we respond to that, that the inner emptiness is now filled with the spirit of the Lord. You see, we have victory over the emptiness through the spirit of Jesus Christ. And one day, come on, look at your neighbor, tell him one day, one day we will have victory over death. For the Bible says that the final enemy is death. And when Jesus Christ returns, now that victory will be complete. Thank you, my wife. <laughs> See, we, we operate from victory, not for victory. And until we receive this revelation, we'll continue to struggle in our spiritual life. Why? Because revelations transforms our spiritual life. Yes, Lastly, last revelation that we need, and that is that the church has been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The church has been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, keys in the Bible are symbolic for authority. Right? When you have the key, uh, for instance, sometimes I go to go in the closet and I try to, my key and it doesn't work. The, the church is telling me, Pastor, you don't have the authority to go into that closet. See? I thank God that I still have the key to my office. Uh, when, that, when that doesn't work, I'm in big trouble. But see, keys open up or close, and, and they are symbolic for authority. Now, Jesus said that the church has the power to bind and to loose, that whatever the church binds on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever the church looses on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, we need to understand what that means in order to really uh, embrace this revelation and ask God to help us to see this. See, binding and loosing, Jesus was talking about the church having the authority to teach the proper lifestyle that needs to take place in this world. See, the church is the place where morality is taught. And it's the light into this dark world. We are the ethical and moral authority on this earth. And when Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What Jesus is talking about is as you and I look to God, we receive from him and through his word, the, the things that we need to bind our lives around, the truth we need to bind, that we need to embrace. And then we need to loose the things to recognize this is not binding that's permissible. There are a lot of things in, the, in this life that are not sinful, that are permissible. Sometimes the church gets that confused. 
But we're supposed to be a place where we teach people the truth of God's word, where we understand the moral and ethical lifestyle that we're supposed to have so that we are the influence in this world that God intends. Are you with me so far on that? So when we receive this revelation, we begin to influence the world around us. When we have the revelation that we have the authority given to us by God, they're the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which means how heaven is structured is how our lives are structured. And when our, our lives are in line with how heaven is structured, then we become that influence that God intended, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, you see, where all of a sudden people on our job recognize that we are different. That, that, that there's, a, there's a, an integrity about us that's unique. That there is a morality, an ethics about us that's different. That is what the church is supposed to be. And what Jesus Christ gave us the authority to be. Moreover, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 18 now. Two verses. We're getting ready to close. Pastor Jason, if you would come, please. We have in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said this to his disciples. I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you. In other words, you got to get this. This is so important. If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Now, what is this? This is the revelation of the authority that Jesus Christ has imparted to the church to pray and to be a, an impact in lives as, through our prayers. Jesus said, you got to get this. This is the truth. And, and I, I, it's so critical. And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, this is a revelation that is sorely lacking in the church today. And every single church across our nation, even across the world. And that's the revelation that Jesus Christ has imparted to us, this corporate authority. He said, two or three, that's all I need to be gathered. And whatever you ask for in my name, the Father will do it. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? It means simply this. Jesus is saying, you have the authority as you gather together in prayer to bind, to, to prevent the adversary, the enemy, to, to, from loosening all kind of hell into families' lives, into children's lives, into your finances. You have the power, you have the authority that I have given to you to get together and pray and you can release, you can loose, you can set free the power of God into people's lives to break habits, to begin to see their lives change for the glory of God. You see, when we receive this principle the church gathering together to prayer becomes a priority and not an option. Do you hear what I'm talking about? You have a loved one that is still struggling with a habit? 
you should be praying with somebody. You should be exercising the authority that Jesus Christ has given you. But you see, when you don't have that revelation, you don't think that prayer amounts to much. When we don't have the revelation of, of how the God will release incredible miracles into people's lives as we gather together to pray, then, you know, the prayer meeting, well, you know, it's Wednesday night and, you know, I get tired and all of this and that. And we come up with all kinds of reasons why we, we don't need to go. No, they'll, they'll pray. I, I really don't pray well. Listen, do you have a key or not? You have a key that opens a door that's right now shut. It's a door of blessing into people's lives. Don't tell me you don't know how to pray. You have the key. All you got to do is use it. Do you have the key that can stop the enemy from infiltrating people's lives and destroying lives? Oh, tell me that the devil is strong. You have the key of heaven. We have the key of heaven that Jesus gave to us to say, I want you to be an influence in this world. What you bind will be bind. When you tell Satan, we bind you, you will no longer destroy our children's lives. You will no longer rob us of our teenagers. We bind every lie. We bind, that's the authority the church has been given. We've been given the, the, the power to loose lies, but I lose a blessing on that marriage. No longer is that marriage going to struggle. I lose, I, I, I pour out blessings upon that marriage. We have that authority. But sadly, many churches don't even have a prayer meeting because nobody will come. And many are poorly attended to do have it. And as a result of one thing, one thing alone you don't have a revelation that you have a key that can unlock blessings or that can lock destruction in people's lives see this key this revelation is so precious to me because it was in a prayer meeting that I came so many years ago struggling as a drug addict and people gather around me and began to cry out to God that God would break the hold that, that heroin had in my life I'm here today because a group of people used their key and said we're going to bind that in Jesus name listen I'm not trying to put condemnation on anybody. I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. My words don't matter. It's God that's got to give you the revelation. It's God that's got to open up our eyes and say, don't you get it? You have this thing. And when your eyes are open, again, to me, prayer meeting is not an option. I'm bringing my key. So together with another brother or sister's key, we're going to see God do some incredible things in people's lives. Blessed be his wonderful name. I'm going to ask you to stand with me now.
talking about revelations today. This spiritual awakening that's initiated by God. I can't give you revelation. Nobody can. No church can give you revelation. No meeting can give you revelation. Only God can give us revelation. And it's so critical for us to recognize, even today, the great need that we have. Because without revelation, there is no change in our lives. Oh, Father. Hallelujah. You can speak to us and reveal revelation to us. But we must embrace it. We must accept it. We must believe it, Lord. Because what's the good of you showing us all these marvelous things, all these truths from your word, and yet we can't embrace it, or we may refuse to accept it. Help us to embrace the truth of your word for our life so that we may walk in that truth, so that we may respond in that truth, Lord. Just as you told your disciples. Oh, Abba Father, let us use those keys. And then when we open the door, allow what's on the other side to enter in. Not to close the door again, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, for the glory of your name, Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you all to just close your eyes just for a few moments as we get ready to close in, in prayer in a moment. But I wonder as this message has been coming forth from my heart that maybe there's somebody here, even if it's just one. You walked into this service today and the truth is you, you've never had a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You've never embraced him as your savior. I mean, you knew about the Bible story and all that kind of stuff. But to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and be my savior. You've never uttered a prayer like that. You, your life has never changed as a result of that. But today, as I've been speaking some way, somehow, you're sensing God drawing near. He's revealed himself to you. And you want to respond to that. We're not asking you to be a part of this church or do anything other than say yes to the God who's coming to you right now, who's speaking to your heart. 
If you're in this place and you want to say yes to Jesus, I'd love to lift up my heart and pray a special prayer over you. If you're there, just lift up your hand and let me know that you're here. Yes, I see your hand, sir. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand. Yes. Just saying yes to Jesus. That's what we're saying. God, I I hear you tugging at my heart and I see for the first time how much you love me and how sinful I am and yet how you want to forgive me of my sin and come in my heart and be my savior. Father, you see every hand that's raised right now. I thank you for them. Lord, you brought them here today. You wanted them to hear this message so that you can reveal to them how much you love them. And now they are sensing that, that revelation. They, 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 they have seen your goodness and your love. And they have responded by just lifting up their hand right now. But God, I pray, Father, that in these next few moments as we pray that you would hear their prayer. That you would forgive them of their sin. And that you, by your spirit, will come and dwell in their hearts. Live in their hearts, God. Fill the emptiness of their soul, Father, I pray. Now, I'm going to ask all the churches to pray with me. That will encourage and support those that raise their hand. So let's all pray together. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I see now how sinful I am. I see now how much you love me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart, fill this emptiness with your spirit. Write my name in your book of life. Amen and amen. Now, I just want to close in a word of prayer for all of us. How many would agree today by raising hand? We need revelation. We need all kind of revelations from God so that our lives could be transformed for his honor and for his glory. Father, I thank you for your word today. Now I pray that we will all receive revelation from this message, oh Lord. The revelation, Lord, of who you are Also in respect to our own sinfulness. We want our worship to be transformative. God, we want everything that we do in this spiritual journey to bring honor and glory and praise to your name. And that only happens as we are changed, as we're transformed and become more like you, Lord. And we can only do that through revelation. So, Father, grant us all the revelation that we need to see ourselves, to see you, Lord, to see that you're the one that builds the church. You're the one, oh God, that has given us the authority. I pray for a revelation of the authority that we have to to pray blessings on people's lives, to pray for the enemies to be bound in how they operate in people's lives. God, Give us that revelation so that even how we pray will be transformed. And we ask all this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord.